Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for the latest Expert Access webinar. I'm Michael Diaz-Griffith, Executive Director and COO of the Design Leadership Network. I've met so many of you since the last ex Expert Access webinar, and if I haven't met you yet, I hope that I'll be able to do that soon. Um, lots coming up in the fall. So expect to hear much more from me and from Megan and all of the rest of us um, in the coming months. One quick note is that as some of you may have seen, we've just announced an evening tour of the Vatican towards the end, or really at the very end of the Rome summit. And that experience um, has been carefully planned with the Vatican to be highly engaging. It's a private tour at night and a reception with nobody else around, just us and an art historian or two to talk to us about the Vatican museums and the Sistine Chapel um, on the Friday evening after we conclude the summit. So check your inboxes for an email about that and please consider signing up because I think it's going to be a fantastic experience along with uh, the Rome summit that precedes it and the Milan excursion that follows it. Now for today, we have a special session on social media and we ca called this kind of emergency session in the wake of the changes that we've all been seeing on Instagram in the context of uh, the rise of video-based uh, content and reels replacing the, the kind of classic Instagram that we all know and love that is very photo-based. Um, we had some really fascinating conversations with the folks you see on screen, and I'll just quickly introduce them. Um, we have Hope Greenberg and Catherine Kantav from Soapbox Strategists, and we have Laura Bindloss from Nylon Consulting. And we've been chatting with all of them about what the future on social media looks like and how we can help you to navigate it. And they've all had brilliant ideas. Um, so we quickly assembled this session so that we could sort of inject them into the community as quickly as possible. So without further ado, we're going to um, ask for Hope and Catherine to give us a kind of quick state of the union on social media, um, and to sort of introduce themselves. And then in about five minutes, Laura will do the same thing before we go into the main presentations from each of these speakers. Um, so without further ado, then Hope and Catherine, tell us a little bit about your practice and the state of social media today. Thanks, Michael. Uh, Catherine, take it away. Yeah, so Hope and I have been co-founders of Soapbox for, what is it now? About eight years. Eight years, so for, for a very long time, um, and we have really cornered our clientele to be within the interior design industry. Um, we found that that's a great niche for us um, because oftentimes these are clients who struggle with how to not only improve their import performance on social, but also really align themselves to what their brand is about, what their designers contribute, and we absolutely love it. Um, I am the strategy and analytics portion of the business or side of the business, meaning I do all things optimization, all things paid media, all things influencer programming and monitoring and analytics, because Without understanding the numbers, um, you're sort of operating in a vacuum. And um, I work 
in tandem with hope to really understand how our creative can not only be improved, but help our clients achieve any goals that they might have. Um, for my background, I went to NYU and I got my MBA in digital marketing way back in 2010. At that point, there was only Facebook, uh, maybe only Facebook and Twitter. Um, there was no Instagram. So I have been in this for a very long time and I've seen the evolution of platforms and I've seen the confusion it can cause niche industries um, because oftentimes they're not the first movers. They're the second movers or the third movers. And so that's why this conversation is so important because we wanna help you understand where Instagram is moving. And this is what we do with our clients every day. Um, Catherine just really covered that well. Um, just to add a couple of things, I am the creative side of our business with my team. And um, we really look to make sure that everything that our clients are doing not only feels brand aligned for them, but really um, makes sense for each of the platforms. And um, this whole recent um, Instagram upheaval has really caused um, like a lot of genuine anxiety. Um, clients not really understanding what's happening. Um, and we'll get more into this in a little bit, but numbers are dropping pretty precipitously with um, in-feed content, just in-feed static images as the platform is really shifting its priority entirely to video. And, um, and clients are just watching numbers drop off and trying to figure out how to react and what to do. And we've been in the trenches with this now for, um, I don't know, I guess this has been going on for about six weeks, eight weeks, but really it's been an evolution and leading up to this. And we, we will talk about that. But um, I think it's an exciting time actually. Um, and the people who are willing to adapt the brands and people who are willing to adapt and change are gonna come out the winners in this whole thing. And then the ones who are just sitting there saying, uh, make Instagram, Instagram again, are unfortunately the, the ones who are gonna get left behind. And so that's what we wanna do today. That's really what we wanna talk about, how you can be that person and that, that business and that brand that's out in front um, and strategies for that. And my background, just very briefly, um, I come from magazine publishing. Um, I was the fashion director at Lucky Magazine from its inception for about uh, almost nine years and, and worked at magazines in, as a fashion editor, um, fashion director prior to that. And um, I was really interested when I left magazines in, in getting into the marketing side and working with businesses um, and, and how, to, how to creatively market their brands. And so that's what we do. Okay. So thank you. Thank you so much, Catherine and Hope. And we'll see you in about five minutes uh, okay. for your presentation. Laura, take it away. Hi. Um, for those of you who I haven't met, my name is Laura. I own uh, two companies. One is Nylon Consulting, which is a PR and social media agency. And the other one is a newer company that launched in March, um, which is called Designer Home Tours, which is a YouTube first media brand, which is why I'm probably here. <laughs> so 
I'm very excited to talk to all of you guys today. The platforms I'm going to be focusing on are TikTok and YouTube. Um, just to kind of give you guys some background on how we work with our clients and the current state of the union. So I started as a publicist. That was kind of my training, my background. I've worked in the design industry my entire career. Um, I added social media to our agency two and a half years ago because I realized that social media was such an important part of discoverability that as a publicist, whose entire job is to help our clients be found, we couldn't ignore it anymore. It is a totally separate team than the PR team because it is a very different skill set and understanding. As I'm sure a lot of you guys know who are on Instagram or have people on your team who manage your accounts for you, you have to be in your app, whatever channel you're on, whether it's Pinterest, whether it's Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, you need to be on the platform a lot and to understand what works and what doesn't. Um, and so it really is like a specialty. Um, I would say we work with everyone from luxury brands um, to small companies that are just launching. We also work with interior designers. We work with an architect. Um, and the way that we work with our clients is really kind of a mix of strategy only. So if you have someone on your team who already runs your accounts um, and you just need strategic advice, consulting ideas, someone to bounce questions off of, um, someone to really kind of hold your hand through the growth and all of these kind of crazy algorithm changes, we offer that. We also offer content creation and capture. So we take video, we make reels, we make content. Um, and then we also offer influencer marketing for brands and paid. So that's a little bit about kind of the social side of our agency. In terms of the state of the union, in terms of what we're seeing, um, the main thing and kind of Hope and Catherine definitely touched on it is that video kind of has a stranglehold right now. And it's not just on Instagram, it's actually on all platforms. So YouTube is obviously the OG kind of video platform of social media. Um, but TikTok is really, I think, the one responsible for all of these huge changes. Um, and video is like more important than ever, not only on Instagram, but it's also on Pinterest too with um, idea pins. So the, the thing that I think everyone has been addressing so far is that video is one of those things that kind of freaks people out because it's not something that they kind of were into doing or maybe even interested in or kind of understood how to do. Um, and one of the things that I'll kind of talk through today in terms of state of the union is the good news is I think people need to think about it a little bit differently. The nice thing about social media is that it is not professionally produced video. That's very, very, very important for people to understand. It's a low inexpensive barrier to entry. You just need a phone. Everyone on this call has a smartphone, I think. Um, and so if you have a smartphone, you can make video content. It does not have to be high production value. It is not a marketing video that sits on your website. It has to be shot on a phone for it to perform um, from what we see. So TikTok is leading the charge. Their insane amounts of growth and success have kind of pushed Instagram into a video first platform. Um, and Pinterest has also followed suit. Um, I would also say in terms of what's happening in the world now, um, social media, and I kind of alluded to this earlier in terms of our agency and our offerings, social media is no longer a nice to have. It is an important part of discoverability for your firm because your clients are getting younger and the way that people discover information, service providers, brands is through social media. So it's a search engine, especially YouTube, which I'll touch on later, but 
Um, it is now more of a search engine, um, then it is just kind of a nice thing that you should probably have keep the lights on so that when people look at it, they know that you're kind of still around. Um, I liken it to like as important as a website. Um, so it is really something that I think people need to stop thinking about it as like an extra when I have time and start thinking about it as a very integral part of your marketing process. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my summary of what's happening. Excited to chat with you guys today. Thank you, Laura. Um, we're excited to hear more about both TikTok and YouTube. Some of you may have seen a news story that was posted this weekend. I, I got it on Apple News that said, you know, TikTok isn't the largest social media network for young people. It's YouTube, right? 98% of Gen Z is on YouTube. And so there's so much to think about with that. Um, but first, we're going to go into the annals of Instagram and all that's happening with especially video on Instagram with Hope and Catherine. And before I begin, I'll just say that um, we're all kind of complaining about Instagram right now, and that's fine and good. You can come to the DLN office and we'll complain about it together over glasses of wine. But since today, <laughs> we have a limited amount of time. We are going to focus on sort of actionable takeaways for tackling the challenges that everyone faces right now if they want to be on Instagram. And of course we should be on Instagram because it's necessary. So Hope and Catherine, you know, just take us, take us back to the foundation of why we are on Instagram, why we should remain on Instagram, what the current challenges are and how we can attempt to surmount them. Yeah, um, I'd like to start with a bit of a timeline. I think it helps for us to reflect where we were 10, 12 years ago. Um, so Facebook currently is 18 years old. Um, and a lot of people sort of don't remember that, you know, Facebook wasn't something that's been around for decades. It's only 18 years old. Um, Instagram was actually launched in 2006, which is a very long time ago. And I remember working with clients when Instagram was launched and seeing sort of this shift in user behavior of people preferring to use Instagram over Facebook. And all of my bosses and all of my clients didn't wanna have anything to do with Instagram. It was really hard trying to convince anyone with, that I worked with to take Instagram seriously because they saw it as a young person's app. You know, it was a tool that didn't make sense for their marketing strategy. They didn't see any relevance of how Instagram could, you know, drive awareness, be something that could capture a new audience, a like-minded audience. Facebook was solely the place to be. Um, that all changed in 2012 when Facebook acquired Instagram. Um, this was huge. This was big. I think this sort of changed the perception of what we thought about Instagram. You saw brands, businesses, pretty much everyone shifting their focus from Facebook to Instagram to be their primary social platform. Um, in the years that followed, you guys probably all know this, you could start advertising on Instagram, you could boost posts, you can message people, there are stories, there are highlights it became that visual resource and source of inspiration that you could provide 
as almost a showroom for your business. If you're an interior designer, you could present your projects. You could tag people who were involved in the project. Everyone now embraced Instagram because they saw the value in it. Um, and I think what really sort of shifted that thinking for Instagram itself was something that happened in 2020, which we all know, which was the pandemic, COVID. Um, user behavior shift completely. The preferences of the type of content that users wanted to engage with shifted from being more of those static images to being more video. People were at home all day. They started watching, you know, Hulu, Netflix, um, live streams on Instagram. So it's not only social media platforms that saw an increase in sort of video consumption. It was all types of platforms. Um, and as you know, um, there was a huge, huge app that came along around this time, TikTok, that really started to dominate in terms of what were people doing every day. They were watching TikToks all the day, all day long. Um, so during COVID, during 2020, 2020, 2021, Instagram actually fell from being the most downloaded app to now hovering around the fourth or the top fifth most downloading social downloaded social media app. So that's huge. Um, you know, at one point, Instagram was king. You would go into the app store and download it. It was always number one. It now does not hold that same prevalence and ranking. Um, TikTok, of course, as Laura's gonna get into it took over that same spot that very year, so during COVID. And even in the first quarter of this year, TikTok continues to be the most downloaded app. So it's not losing any momentum. Um, and I'd like to add to that, and this is a point just to extend to what Michael was saying, TikTok is not only the most downloaded app, it is the top search engine over Google. So people are using TikTok as a resource, as an educational resource, as a way to consume video, and as a way to engage people in ways that they can't do on Instagram. Um, obviously, Instagram is a business. We all know that. Um, and when they saw this shift happening, they, are, they started to do everything in their power to get users back on the platform. They saw this decline of growth. So yes, young people were migrating over to TikTok, but they saw an overall dec decline of people using the platform. Um, so what they decided to do was mirror what TikTok does and introduce Reels. And not only did they introduce Reels, they introduced it as a priority feature. Um, so when reels got pushed out, I think a lot of people were confused about why am I all of a sudden seeing all these videos on my Instagram feed? Why am I all of a sudden not getting, um, people aren't seeing my in-feed content. That's because when Instagram realized that TikTok was sort of being the king in terms of what people were turning to, to post their content, their video in particular, they decided to double down as reels as a priority and what they would conceive as being the new version of Instagram. Um, and when I say that reels is a priority feature, I really wanna stress 
that they've deprioritized in-feed imagery and content and pushed reels as the more dynamic or sorry, dominant creative option. Um, so the beginning of this year is the first year where Instagram reels eclipsed that of Instagram stories, in-feed content, and basically anything that you see on the platform. Um, so that just means that in terms of performance, meaning who's going to see your content, how often your content is going to be seen, Reels holds that top spot. Unfortunately, it's not going to be your in-feed content. And I have some statistics to share with you on that. But first, I do want to share a video um, where the head of Instagram makes this absolutely clear. He shared this in 2021. I know there has been some backlash in the recent months about make Instagram great again, but Instagram has been vocalizing its priority of video for quite some time. And I think this video is really important for, all to, for us all to watch. Now, let me just give me a second so that I can pull it up. Okay, um, I am going to share my screen. All right. Um, Longer a photo sharing app. Let me just back it up. I want you guys to hear everything. And I want to start by saying we're no longer a photo sharing app or a square photo sharing app. The number one reason people say that they use Instagram in research is to be entertained. So people are looking to us for that. So actually this past week in our internal all hands, we shared or I shared a lot about what we're trying to do to lean into that trend, into entertainment and into video. Because let's be honest, there's some really serious competition right now. TikTok is huge. YouTube is even bigger. And there's lots of other upstarts as well. And so people are looking to Instagram to be entertained. There's stiff competition and there's more to do than we have to embrace that. And that means change. So what you're going to see over the next couple of months really is us start to experiment more in the space of what we call recommendations. So showing you things in feed that you may not be following yet. We just started testing an early version of this last week. This week is a new version that's coming out with topics where you can say which topics you want to see more of or less of. But we're also going to be experimenting with how do we embrace video more broadly, full screen, immersive, entertaining, mobile first video. And so you'll see us do a number of things or experiment with a number of things in this space over the coming months. Now, we have an idea of where we're going to end up in a half a year or a year's time, but I'm sure things are going to change many times between now and then. This isn't something that we can just do overnight. So you'll see us iterate and try and be very public about what we're doing and why with videos like this one. Anyway, hopefully you'll enjoy it. Peace. Hey, everyone. Okay. There you have it. Yeah, there you have it. Could not be clearer. <laughs> um, so. I thought it'd be good sorry. to start sharing. Hold on. Give me one second. Um, yeah. So if, if that's not kind of, you know, reflective of where. And more about what sorry. we're currently working on of where Instagram is headed, and that was posted in 2021, um, I think that we all need to realize that Instagram is looking to the future. 
Yeah. Um, it's looking to the future of video and what video can do from not only a retention of their user standpoint, but from a revenue standpoint. Instagram real advertising is projected to make over $1 billion for Instagram this year. So obviously, like any business, they're going to go where the money is. Um, but I, I do want to make something clear because, you know, I often hear people look at reels and TikTok and they think they're just dance videos or mainstream content. But what Adam, who's the head of Instagram, was trying to say is that the algorithm of reels is intended to detect your interest and show you content similar to what you might like, what your audience might like. Now, Instagram has totally not perfected this. If you know anything about the app, it's full of glitches. They're constantly moving with very quickly, changing things around. But that is what they would like for the intentions of Reels to be. Um, oftentimes, I see Reels that feel a little bit unrelatable. But again, the intent, especially by the end of this year, is that Reels is going to be what you share and what you watch to the audiences that are identical to your interests and especially your brands or business. Yeah. Um, users also find that in the days following a Reels being posted, that their overall Instagram accounts spike in the number of followers and increase in engagement. Um, the unfortunate news, um, and I think, you know, Hope mentioned this when she sort of explain why we're pushing our, our clients to go and at least try Instagram is that the current average engagement for an Instagram post is less than 2%. And I would say probably even less than that at this point. And just to put that in like context of numbers, let's just say you have a thousand followers and you post a normal in-feed post on Instagram, less than 1% of your followers are likely to see your posts. Now, let's just say you had posted a reel. Maybe, you know, you have a video and you're say, you, you, you decide you'd like to post it as a reel. It's not uncommon that that reel is going to be seen by several times the number of followers that you already have. So let's just say you have a thousand followers, as I mentioned before. If you post a reel, it's quite likely that that reel will be seen by 4,000 or 5,000 people. So obviously in this algorithm that Instagram has prescribed where they're doubling down on reels, you are actually incentivized by posting reels and you are penalized for posting in-feed content. And I wanted to just add one thing to that, which is the shelf life of a reel as opposed to the shelf life of a static in-feed photo. Um, and anybody who has currently experimented with reels and has tried this um, knows exactly what I'm talking about, which is that um, once you post a reel or once you post a photo, let's say, um, even, you know, even if more than 2% of your followers see that photo, really, I think Instagram and Catherine, you can, check me on this, but I think it's like four hours or something mm -hmm. that really your photo is being pushed out for. And that's really it. Um, yeah. Reels 
this goes on for days and days and days. And you can see this as you're, as you're personally even like, you know, not even a business account, but your personal reels, people who you've never seen, people who are not your followers will see and like your reels for over a week. It's not uncommon. So they, so Instagram is very crafty about this. They're very smart. And mm-hmm. so not only are they rewarding um, accounts that post reels, mm-hmm. um, you know, with, with followers and engagement, but it's ongoing. Yeah. So that's another important reason. Yeah. So, yeah. so Hope and Catherine, you've, you've really made the case that this is not changing, right? Yeah. I mean, Instagram is owned by Meta, which is a publicly yep. traded company. They're chasing yeah. profits. They're competing with TikTok. And the design world does constitute a niche audience, sadly. Yep. Like, yes. I use Instagram as a temple of beauty and to keep yeah. track of what our designers are doing. Many of them treat their feeds like beautiful static showrooms yeah. or as mm-hmm. spaces for kind of very elevated discourse and engagement with each other. But that's not that's not where this is headed. So. Yeah. In kind of five minutes, could you give us some key takeaways about yeah. what to do to adapt to this reality? I mean, because we can well, acknowledge that it's happening and that we don't like it, but most of us own businesses and will yeah. have. Yeah, and and how are you going to produce this content? I mean, that's really that's really what this comes down to. Catherine, did you have one I, other thing you yeah, want to say before I jump into one, this? Yeah, yeah, I just want to say one and one other thing, Michael. Um, you can have the most beautiful content in the world, but if no one sees it, what does that mean? Yeah. You can have curated the most beautiful Instagram of your inspiration, your projects, your design, but if no one sees it, it's, you know, the return on your efforts is zero. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I kind of sort of like to mirror this to newspaper and magazines that were really dwarfed by online and digital. Um, It's annoying when user behavior shifts, but the platform shifts in order to remain relevant. And in order to, as Michael said, Meta is a business to remain profitable. Um, So Hope, I'll let you, I think this is a perfect segue. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good time to talk about like, what are you going to (laughs) do? then that's really, that's really what it comes down to. Like, we know you're not just going to keep posting photos or if you're going to do that, then, you know, your return, as Catherine just said, is going to be extremely low. Your effort is going to be high and your return is going to be low. Um, We've been talking to our clients about a couple of different strategies. Um, The first thing I think it's important to acknowledge is that real estate, to produce reels is actually really time consuming. It's not the easiest thing in the world. And, you know, I think in the beginning um, with Instagram, people were freaked out about taking their own photos. Yeah. But taking, but taking a photo is nothing compared to, and, and, you know, people adapted to that and figured out how to take amazing photos and post amazing photos and write captions and all the things that seemed really scary and overwhelming in the beginning. But this is something that takes a bit of skill to do. And once you start doing it, it's not hard, but it definitely is more time consuming than just shooting a photo, you know, or taking a photo from 
you know, from your image archive and posting it with a short caption. So one thing that we've been talking to our clients about is deprioritizing the amount of time that you're spending posting in feed photos and Instagram stories. You know, if time is at a premium, which it is for everybody, um, right now is a good time to step away from um, your seven days a week or your five days a week of in-feed content and instead maybe post in-feed two times a week, three times a week and try at least one reel a week. Um, you're definitely gonna see return on that. Mm -hmm. um, another thing is, um, and actually this isn't sort of a little bit uh, tangential, but um, very recently, Instagram launched Reels templates. And I don't know, Michael, are you familiar with Reels templates? Um, yeah, I've used one. I have. Okay. So, so, so it's great. So for anybody who doesn't know what a Reels template is, um, it used to be that as you were creating Reels, um, you either had to do it in iMovie, which I have to admit, um, we have um, somebody on our creative team at Soapbox who um, is really amazing with film editing and video editing and makes beautiful reels. And she creates reels in iMovie and they look amazing. She gave me a tutorial and I almost jumped out the window. I like, I, I am too old for that. I will officially say I'm too old for that. I, I could not learn how to do that. So fortunately, just as I was getting worried, and it's not to say that people can't learn to do this, but it's not easy. Um, fortunately, just as I was getting really nervous about this, um, Instagram came up with Reels templates. And this is um, something where when you click into Reels, um, you will see uh, on the bottom scroll, um, a tab called templates. And when you click into templates, it gives you all people have people's reels that have been previously posted. It allows you to take someone else's reel and pop your own content into that template. So if you like the music and you like the flow, you just pick that template and pop your own content in. Um, now, then this goes back to, to sort of thing two that we've been talking about with our clients. Um, yes, it's great to have video for reels. Like, you know, that's as Catherine says, you know, king, like video is terrific. And it's good to be able, if you have five video clips to drop five video clips into a reel, but that is not easy to produce either. Um, it's not impossible, but again, more time consuming. So what can you do? You can take your static images and repurpose your, your photos in reels. So you've got the music element of it. You've got the sort of movement ele element of it, but, um, but it's just photography and you can absolutely repurpose the photography that you already have and get credit from the algorithm for creating a reel. Yeah. And I just so, want to say okay. Instagram does not know the difference between this curated static image reel versus a video based reel, because basically it's turning your static images into a video. 
So it's not going to hurt you if all you have are static images and you use them in this template. Right. And, um, and the second part of this, or third, I guess, part of this is the music, the soundtracks. And um, when we first started talking about reels, and again, you have to realize this is all in real time. I mean, we're, we're like diving into this with everyone else. Um, you know, and as an agency, really figuring out how we're adapting to creating this kind of more time consuming, more labor intensive content. But another element is the music. And when we first started talking to our clients about reels and how we were going to produce reels and what they would look like and what they would sound like, right off the bat, we got a lot of resistance to um, using trending tracks. Um, you know, many of our clients were like, whoa, 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 you know, like, sorry, Harry Styles is not on brand for us. <laughs> and that, you know, that may be true. And that is true. But a lot of luxury brands, um, and if you go, you know, if you look on Instagram, you look on tip, TikTok, a lot of luxury brands are really shifting over to, um, to using trending appropriate trending tracks. And, um, and yes, maybe it doesn't quite align with what your brand looks like, uh, you know, on your website, or, you know, in your catalogs or, or in other places. But I think that that brands have to remember and interior designers and, you know, anybody in our industry has to remember, we're a creative business, like, it's okay to go a little bit outside of the box. And, um, you know, and maybe it's not going to be the kind of thing or the kind of music you would have on your website or in a, in a brand video that lives on your website. But if you want your reels to show up and be prioritized, and again, goes back to the algorithm, when you're choosing trending tracks, your, your reel is going to be shown to more people. You are getting, you're getting the views because of the music that you're selecting. So this, I know this sounds like a lot to think about and it is a lot to think about, but you know, like anything else, you've got to dive in. So I would say, you know, the number one takeaway, if, you know, if you leave here with nothing else today, I would say that the number one takeaway is just start. Yes. Um, like just get this going. It's, the templates are a great guide. You already have photos that you know are sitting on your camera roll. Take five photos, find a template, pick a piece of music that is trending, but also feels, you know, feels appropriate for, for your kind of creative and create a reel. And maybe, you know, the next day don't post in feed, it's okay. Um, you know, over the next two days, don't post and feed. And I guarantee you, if for the next two days, you don't post and feed, watch your reel blow up, watch what happens and watch how many people keep liking and seeing and viewing and commenting on your reel, you, you, you'll, you'll be very surprised. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that to me is like, the number one takeaway. Sorry, Michael, I know you want to say something here. No, no, no. <laughs> I I want, we're going to, we're going to want to move to Laura because yeah, yeah. Um, this is kind of a lunch break yeah, uh, right. yeah. for many of our viewers and we don't have 
um, more than an hour for the main session. But what I was going to say is um, we're going to catch up with both of you in the Q&A because I yeah. already see questions lining up that are very, very specific to reels and that kind of follow up on everything you've shared. Um, okay, so cool. Getting ready to, to thank you, Hope. But okay, great. Final, final thoughts? I didn't want to interrupt. Oh, no, no. I mean, I think that okay. that really is the final thought. And I think that it's just, you know, embracing the idea that you can't go back. You have to go forward and going forward means um, means reels on Instagram right now. It's yeah. all about adapting, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Ac accepting and adapting and then thriving. We love to hear that. We, we, yeah. we can't wait to get to the thriving part of this narrative. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so we'll see you in about 20 minutes for the Q&A. Thank you so okay, much thanks. for this. And, and just to answer one Q&A question um, in advance, um, Chad Stark asked if we could oh. distribute some these takeaways in a summary form for um, for your staffs or for you know members who couldn't join us today. And the answer is absolutely yes. Moving forward, the DLN is going to be distributing many white papers along with all of our expert access recordings so that if you don't have time or if your staff doesn't have time to watch the full video, you can still get those key takeaways in a really efficient format. Now, Laura, we're going to move to you and to the exciting world of TikTok and YouTube. Thank you, Michael. Um, all right. So I'm going to share my screen because I actually prepared a formal presentation, um, but I'm going to, I'm not going to read through every single slide because I do know that they're going to be um, circulating this. So let me go ahead and get this ready. All right. So. We today, I'm going to focus on TikTok and YouTube. So I know that these are the two platforms that most people in our industry have the least amount of interaction um, and familiarity with. So what I'm going to do is break down what to know, common misconceptions, what to know and how to succeed. So it's, it's pretty clear. Um, so these are the common misconceptions for TikTok. Everyone's dancing. Everyone's 11. Um, there's no luxury brands. And you know, some people also think like, I can just, you know, do all the same stuff that I do on Instagram. So these are wrong because actually 38% of the platform's users are over 30. That statistic is debated depending on where you read, but this is the one that we've seen the most. Um, so it's not only 11 year olds and it's also the fastest growing platform. Um, it's majority female, um, but even more so for people in the U S and people who think there's no place for luxury, there are a lot of luxury brands on TikTok. So if you're doubtful and you just want to spend some time doing some research, like I recommend that you guys look for fashion because fashion and beauty have long been on TikTok and beauty has like done extremely well on TikTok. Hermes is on TikTok. Um, I believe Chanel's on TikTok. It did have it. And then I think it turned it off when it got uh, it had a really bad snafu with some influencer gifting. Um, but a lot of the luxury brands, whether it's especially real estate, there's a huge luxury real estate community on TikTok. Um, so it is there. So I recommend that you guys take some time to kind of, you know, inform yourselves and research and take a look at how other communities are building content. The really exciting thing about TikTok, and this is what's actually, I would like to turn it on its head. TikTok is really great for our business because it thrives off of niche community. So if you ask any of your colleagues, friends, kids, you know, anyone who's on TikTok, 
anything you are looking for, there is a community for it. So I have a client who's a luxury furniture brand. Their CEO is on TikTok all the time for motivational and financial guru advice. So he only consumes that kind of content and that's the only stuff that it feeds him. So he really loves it. The algorithm on TikTok is famous for being 10 times better than Instagram and um, YouTube at the same time. So it's very, very well tuned to what you actually want to watch. So however niche you want to go, it's just going to continue to serve you that content. Um, so luxury design, um, design, even if you wanted to talk about nothing except, I don't know, hand-painted wallpaper or archival design that's inspired by, you know, frescoes, there are people for you on TikTok. Um, and also like another important thing to note is that people spend the most amount of time on TikTok. Um, so average user user session is almost 11 minutes. Um, and huge trend culture maximalism as a hashtag is over 40. 438 million views. So there are, your people are in there in the 438 million. There's probably one or two great clients for you guys. Um, and then again, like some people think you can just put whatever you have on Instagram, on TikTok. Sometimes that works, but you have to usually recase the content so that it's leading into a TikTok trend. So you have to use something like the talk to text format or perhaps the audio, most of the trending audio on Instagram actually originates on TikTok. Sometimes there's specific ones that only are really big on Instagram. So it's important when you're going to repost, if you are going to reuse content, that you make sure that you're leaning into all of the tools. Here's just two examples of luxury designers that are on TikTok. Jeremiah Brent does a really good job. Kelly Wurstler does a really good job. It's good. These are good examples of designers for you guys to look at, to try and figure out like, what could this platform mean for me? How do they use it? How do they talk about things? You know, both of them have, um, areas of their business that are not super, super top end, you know, like Jeremiah is on TV. Like there are things that they do, um, that are not necessarily like only the 1% and they are definitely personalities, but I will say like, they do a really good job of showing day-to-day life. Um, you know, you can see right here with Jeremiah Brent's like five things I would never do as an interior designer. Um, those types of things do really, really well. And that's him leaning into the TikTok trend, but he's being true to himself. You know, he's not saying like, this is an Amazon dupe of like a luxury product. You can find ways to make these platforms work for you and for your brand. Um, but it does take time and it does take homework. So either spend 10 hours researching, reading, taking a look at it at night over a glass of wine, whatever you want to do. I mean, or you can outsource and we are available, but, um, you know, it's important for you guys to do your homework and decide like, how can this platform work for us? The three main benefits of it is that you can increase brand awareness, um, with virality. The really good news about TikTok um, that is refreshing and very different from Instagram is that you can get a lot of views on your content and it has nothing to do with the number of followers you have. You can have three followers and you can have a video that gets 150,000 views. It's all about how it's cased, how it's posted, the audio or the trends that you're leaning into. So there's certain trends on TikTok that um, tend to go around and you just have to watch your communities and your niche kind of audiences you're looking to be in and see how people are posting content because that's what the algorithm is going to favor. Um, but the good news is, is that TikTok is a content first platform. It's not a money first platform. They are really, really looking for great content that people like. And if people start to like it, they will start to serve it up to more people. 
Um, so that's the really good news. You don't have to spend a fortune on like really expensive video production or paying for advertising in order to like grow your brand. Um, the second thing is that it builds community. So it is again, with these niche audiences, people are highly engaged on TikTok. Community management is a real need on TikTok. On Instagram, it is obviously also important, but on TikTok, it's way more intensive. People are commenting. People are liking a lot of questions we've seen. We run TikTok for a couple of accounts that we represent, and we also do influencer marketing. So we're seeing on TikTok with influencers, when we're reposting content to the brand's accounts, we're getting a lot of DMs and messages. So it's very important to make sure that there is someone on your team who can handle that. Um, and yes, some of it is crap as it is with every single platform, but some of it is really great. And a lot of the questions we're seeing are like, where can I buy this? Which is exactly what you want. Um, so if you have a store or a brand, understand if it's not amazing, if you have, if you're a designer, but the point of being a service provider is that you have to build your brand, um, on platform and get them to kind of convert to being a raving fan. And then hopefully one day they will buy your service. Um, and then the third is selling products and services. So this is a great place to showcase all of the services that you offer and how to engage with them. Um, this is just kind of a one-on-one, how does it work? Um, TikTok is video only. It is um, up to 10 minutes long, but most content that performs the best is one to three minutes. It's not 10. Um, the recognition technology, as I touched on, is much stronger than other platforms. Um, it's, it is, I will say, uglier than Instagram. And that's, I think, the biggest problem with our industry is people are really freaked out by how um, raw it is. It's not as curated. It's not as beautiful. Um, sometimes people talk to the camera. You don't have to do that if you're not comfortable with it. Again, it is about figuring out what works for you and what makes sense for your brand. Um, and I already kind of covered the niche communities. I'm zooming through this so that we have enough time for questions and stuff. And I know it's a lot of information, but as Michael said, there is a white paper that they're going to circulate. So these are just kind of the differences. How are they different? Instagram has multiple content types. There's like a scroll function, TikTok. And this is, I think like, I will say when I first downloaded it a little bit like off-putting is that it opens up immediately into content. So you can't like ease in you. It like starts just serving you video. Um, but again, it is content first, whereas like Instagram is very aesthetic first. It's not really about trying to entertain people. It's, it was very curated, which is why I know that our industry loves it so much. Um, and I would say educate and entertain are the two main rules of succeeding with great content. Um, Instagram's is a little more inspire. And I do think there's a place for that. It's really what we, as an agency, we call like wow factor. Like what are the wow factors? Every single one of you has wow factor content in your job, whether you are installing a $5 million house, looking at an amazing fresco in Italy, um, you know, going to visit a client, like there are huge wow factor moments in your day to day. And that type of stuff does do really well, um, on TikTok as well. Um, the one downside to TikTok, I would say in terms of a staffing perspective is like, it's hard to plan, um, because it is real time. Like it's so trend driven. You really need someone who's on it and who's really dedicated to it and who's interested in it. Um, because you are never going to like get a content calendar in a month in advance, sign off on all the captions. It just doesn't work like that. So YouTube. So as I mentioned, I also own a business called uh, designer home tours, which if I haven't already talked to you about it, um, there is a slide at the end would love for everyone in the DLN to submit projects for us to feature. 
Um, so here's some of the misconceptions for YouTube. Again, people think they need fancy camera equipment. Um, you do not. They aren't sure if people buy things based off of YouTube. They think it takes forever. It's just another channel they have to like deal with. Um, and again, the luxury question we get a lot. So this is a little bit about the channel just to set up kind of like how I've learned about YouTube. Um, the channel is new. It launched in March. Um, the really exciting thing is, and I will say this, like we have really bootstrapped this business. We filmed every single episode on a phone. We do not have a huge paid advertising budget. You know, we, I really did this as a test to see if it was going to work. And in uh, the first hundred days, we got over a million views, which is awesome. I'm very proud to report that DLN member and longtime client and friend Liz Khan is actually our best performing video. And it was also our first. So thanks Liz for taking a chance. Um, but we're really excited with how it's done. Um, and it's been really great to see all of the different kinds of talent and designers and different homes that we've been able to feature on designer home tours. So, uh, why YouTube? So I think someone alluded to this. It is the world's second largest search engine behind Google. Why is that important? Number one, because everyone uses it. Everyone uses search. Number two, this is the difference between scrolling on a social media feed and having intent when you show up, when you're a search engine, you are looking to find things that is wonderful. If you sell services or product, you want to be found. So if you can show up where people are, that will help your business. So, um, the majority of Americans in 2021 used YouTube and 70% saw that they bought, <clears throat> they bought a brand as a result of seeing it. And here's just some kind of, uh, people who've talked about how video is worth a million instead of a picture being worth a thousand words, which is so true. So here's some of the benefits. Um, the great news about YouTube is that your content lives forever. Um, it lives forever. It continues to grow. It's not a one and done thing. And that's because it's powered by SEO. It is a search engine. So for example, coastal grandmother was a huge trend this year. Um, we saw designers who had any kind of like traditional or coastal grandmother aspects to their work their videos were doing very well in May. Um, it's, it's crazy. And you can go back and tweak descriptions and make sure that like, they're kind of aligning with SEO search. Um, so it's really, really important that when you're doing work, if you have a digital agency or someone on your team, that's responsible for making sure that your website is coming up in search, you're also reflecting that in a YouTube description. If you do decide to launch it as a channel. Um, the really nice thing, and this will be refreshing for everyone on here with everything we've talked about with Instagram, you are not held hostage by an algorithm. Again, it is a search engine. So there is no, while YouTube is obviously part of Google and it is a publicly traded company, it's a search engine. So they're not trying to build a social platform where they change the algorithm and no one's stuff gets seen unless you pay money. Um, you can also, again, like a video is worth a thousand is a million. I think he said a million words and a thousand photos, but you can sell your work exactly as you want to sell it. If you only want to show really insane house installs and they're beautifully done and that's it. And you never want to be on camera. That's okay. You just need to make sure that your video is described as such and that you are using the right terminology to be found. There is an audience for you. 80% of Americans are on YouTube. So in that 80%, there is definitely a client for you in there. Um, and again, inexpensive barrier to entry. You do not need a huge ad, a huge ad budget and you really do not need fancy camera equipment. If you want to do it, you can, but you really don't have to. And actually, if you look at some of the luxury brands, just on a side note, 
I was looking at Chanel's Instagram or sorry, Chanel's YouTube. Most of their videos that are the top performers are actually their fashion shows, which is not that, you know, it's not that crazy, but their advertising videos that they spent an absolute fortune on. Most of them have very few views compared to their fashion shows. So the live real time, real people showing an audience, like that kind of content just does better. Obviously they're all professionally produced. So I can't, you know, say that they film them on a phone, but the good news is it doesn't really matter. You don't have to have that as a barrier to entry. Um, so this is why I think designer home tours has been so successful. And this is kind of what we do when we talk to new designers about the platform or when we talk to brands, because we are starting to integrate brands as partners into season two and season three. I think that, and this is what's relevant for all of you. When interior designers speak authentically about why they designed the space, the way that they did, they show their genius, they show their work. People are really interested in that. The trade is one of these niche industries that I think people are fascinated by interior design, but there's always an arm's length. You know, a magazine is not that interactive. They can look on social media, but so many designers are not that comfortable being on in front of the camera and they don't, and if they are, it's their own channel and they're not really talking about themselves all the time. They're just kind of like panning over work or showing themselves installing something. I think it is really important. And this is like kind of the larger conversation in this business about how we need to educate people on the value of hiring a designer or an architect you have your platform right here. You can talk all about it. You can show it. And it's not a sales pitch for you. It's like, just talk about the work you do all day that sells itself. Um, and then the other one is like how they design the space builds trust. So there is as a publicist in this industry, since I started working, there's a huge, uh, anti before and after, uh, movement in editorial. No one's ever wanted to do before and afters. And if they do, it's really rare. I think it's part of the problem is that there is like no understanding and concept of the amount of work that these professionals put into these projects. I really like to incorporate before images if people will let us in their video, because I do think it shows how much work goes into this space. So I think it's really important to show like how you designed it and talk about your process. This is just an example of a designer who does YouTube really well. Studio McGee, no surprise. Um, for those of you who do not know anything about Studio McGee, highly recommend that you check them out. They actually <clears throat> started really as one of the first designers to understand content marketing. So they're based in Utah. They now have almost 200 employees. They have a store, they have an e-commerce site, they have a Netflix series, but they really started with one project on Instagram, shooting every single aspect and inch of that room. They grew and grew and grew. They're a very good, they do a very good job of making high-end design approachable. They always answer questions. They always are willing to like talk about where they get their sources, why they like the things they do. They're not afraid of kind of sharing information. And I will say they do have, you know, almost 200 people. So they definitely have a team, but they do a very good job of, of content creation. A lot of these videos are, I think, professionally filmed but they also do a lot on a phone and they do a ton on their Instagram. They're a really good account to look at in terms of like best practice. Cause they do really, really well. Um, just five things to share. Um, if you are thinking about starting a YouTube channel, the channel rewards consistency one to two times a week is plenty, but if you can ideally do it at the same time, YouTube has a subscriber function. So people will subscribe to your content and they like to see things at the same time every week. 
again, YouTube is a search engine, make your video searchable, your title, your description, your tags. There's videos. I it's very meta, but like literally watch YouTube on how to succeed on YouTube. There are a million videos and like little schools that you can do. Um, high resolution thumbnails on your videos are really important because sorry. All right. Sorry. I'm back. Um, high resolution thumbnails are really important because it's about when people are looking at all of the options for content that they can look at your thumbnails are really important. First hour of posting is important. So definitely make sure to share all your videos. YouTube is similar to TikTok, Whereas if it thinks that this is content that's performing, it will start to just push it out more and more and more. So it's really important that your viewership is really either boosted or shared in the first hour. And again, really focus on creating content that will number one, educate number two, entertain. Those are the two rules of content that I like to say. Um, and also here's our plug submit projects. We're looking for projects for spring. So if you go to designerhometours.com, hit submit project, and then hit start. It's really easy. You just put a Dropbox in, answer some questions. We'd love to consider it and get in touch. This is my email. Would love to hear from anyone excited to meet you guys in Rome. I will be there. And that's it. That's all. Well, that is quite a lot, Laura. That is all so, so helpful. And um, to kind of answer another question that's come through the Q&A box, asking for everybody's contact information. We just saw your email. You're searchable um, through the DLN directory, Laura, but we're also going to send out Hope and Catherine's contact info. So everyone watching will be able to get in touch with everyone on the screen. And with that, and with lots more thanks to all of you for your presentations, um, we're gonna have a bit of a Q&A now, all right? So why don't we start, what, let's move backwards from TikTok since we were just there. Um, someone's asked, are there any security or privacy concerns we should be aware of using TikTok? And I might expand that to just, is there anything to be wary of? Because it's such a different kind of environment, I think, for many of our, our, our members. Um, Laura? Well, that's a good question. I, I've never been asked that. I don't, I don't know, to be fair. Um, you know, it is like your control, what you share. So I think if it comes to client work, I would just make sure that you're only documenting and showing client work that you have agreements in place with that you can feature their work. I know that there are some clients that have NDAs. You can't do anything except photograph it to show it to your portfolio. Um, but that's the only thing I can think about. Okay. I, I, I just yeah, want to yeah. add one thing to that. So one of TikTok's features is you can download any video if the user allows. And most people forget to sort of change, turn that feature on or off, which is why you see a lot of TikToks in your stories or TikToks in your reels, because you can actually download the video that you've posted to TikTok. So if you're sensitive about having your video sort of be in other places without your permission, that's just one call out that I would make is make sure that video downloads are turned off. That's really helpful. So we also have a lot of questions about reels, but maybe before we get to them, we can talk about Pinterest, which is a platform that hasn't come up yet in the conversation. Sarah Boyd is um, saying that that's where her clients get a lot of work never on YouTube, despite over a million views of a gorgeous project. So Laura, Hope, 
Um, Catherine, what are your thoughts on Pinterest today? Hi, Sarah Boyd. Uh, yes, uh, Pinterest, incredibly, incredibly, incredibly important in our industry. Um, something that um, all of our clients are leaning into, have been leaning into, are leaning into more. Um, and um, really what's important on there is not just organic content, but um, Pinterest advertising. We have clients who have, have incredible numbers, have had incredible success with sales coming through Pinterest without ever having done anything. And then when they just start, I mean, anything more than, you know, post create boards and uh, create organic content. But then when they just put a little bit of money behind um, their boards and um, or put money behind pins, um, it really takes off. Um, the one thing when we were talking a little bit earlier, Michael, and what we were saying among this group is um, just to be aware right now, um, Pinterest might feel like a very comfortable place to be while um, every other platform is going video first because um, it still feels like you can get a lot of traction there um, just by posting um, images. And for right now you can, but um, definitely be aware that Pinterest is going to start to move in the direction of all of the other platforms and that um, before you know it, video is going to be a priority there. So while you're thinking about how you're going to start, you know, dip your toe into video content, know that that video content um, is something you're going to want to use eventually on Pinterest too. And I'll let Catherine talk a little more about the ad side of Pinterest. So Pinterest likes to think of itself as the opposite of Instagram. People come to Pinterest with the intent to search and buy. Um, so it is very much, um, works well in tandem. If you have an e-commerce aspect to your business, um, we see clients who Pinterest is their second top refer to their website and second top, um, revenue source, because you've got all the designers on there creating projects, but they come to Pinterest and they're ready to buy. There's something called the Verified Pinterest Merchant Program, where you know you just have to have a proper website and you link that to your Pinterest, and your pins show up even more frequently in search. So it's also a great SEO option within the platform to find specific products that you're looking for. Um, but in all of my years, Pinterest still remains the top referrer, especially in this industry, to your website and for revenue generation. So thank you for that. And uh, thank you, Sarah, for all of those great comments and questions. She also suggests here that we all check out Frederick's YouTube videos, Frederick being the magazine from Schumacher. Yeah. Um, they do it, they do yeah, target their niche community and they are excellent. Yeah. Um, that's a great recommendation. Thank you again. Sure. Now, the rest of the questions that we have relate to reels, but Laura, feel free to jump in here because you know you're all experts. No. And there's a lot, to, a lot to address. I know. Um, Vanya, I have Michael. I have to run. I actually have to run because we have contractors oh, okay. here and our nanny is not here, and so 
I was given my window and I now have to run. Got, my was like, please help me. So thank you for joining I'm us. Kid running outside. So anyway, I'm so sorry to run, oh, but no. thank you guys for your time. And you know, the reels obviously hoping Catherine can can take it away. But please email me, get in touch. Um, and thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us, Laura, and we'll see you soon. And we'll definitely see you in Rome. So we'll have plenty of time to continue the discussion. Definitely. Thank you guys. Uh, have a good one. Thanks. So Hope and Catherine, um, Vonnie asks if reels have to be professionally done or can it be casual? And I think, you know, we've really answered that now yeah. saying that almost the more casual, the better in a lot of ways, although things need to yeah. look. Um, yeah. It, um, absolutely. Casual is fine. Um, you know, professional, like it, it should have a polished feel, I would say, because, you know, you do want it to be reflective of your work. Mm. Um, but, you know, in the same way that you can capture a still image on your phone, that's perfectly lovely and serviceable, um, you know, a little experimenting with video. Um, we'll let you do that as well. And again, going back to the idea that it doesn't have to be video at all, um, you know, of just taking the images that you have and popping them into a template, getting some fun music and voila, you, you have a reel, so. Yeah. And, and go I ahead, just Catherine. need to add to that, that Instagram won't penalize you if you're using the templates function versus posting your own video. As long as it's, as long as you post to the Reels feature, they're going to acknowledge that and help you within the algorithm. So there's no better Reels versus not better Reels, if that makes sense. So, so images within a Reel yep. are, are just as good as video within a Reel yep. and Reels that use the template are just as good in the algorithm as Reels yep. that are completely original. That's right. Yeah. Super yes. helpful. And that answers Ashley's question. Um, so Lindsay asks, is there any evidence that people, after people discover you on a reel, do they then visit your profile to see your more curated content? So actually what they'll do is they'll go to your reels feed because Instagram designs it that way. So they'll see your reel and then they'll go. And I've been, I've been noticing this is a new thing with Instagram that it'll take you back to the reels feed, not your in feed, the in feed section of your Instagram, but your reels section of your Instagram, because obviously that's what they want to prioritize. It definitely will, because it's getting more impressions, reels gets more impressions than an in feed post you're going to get more people coming to your profile. You can also acquire more followers because it's being seen by more people. So it's just math. More people see your reels, you get more people coming to your profile. But I will say Instagram is gonna send them to your reels profile first, if that makes which, sense. Which then speaks to this idea of um, deprioritizing Exactly. Your, your images and your static in feed content and prioritizing reels, um, you know, just dropping down the number of posts, um, just image posts that you're, you're doing a week and, and focusing more on getting at least one good reel a week. Mm -hmm. 
that that really speaks to Cindy Symes' question of where are reels stored? They have their own feed. Yeah. So that's two other questions, which um, are what about copyright for music? And I can add to that question with one that Maya has asked. And can you boost reels or do you need to? Let's take the music question first and add in Maya's um, question, which is oh, business accounts. <laughs> yeah, just business accounts are not able to use the trending reels tracks on Instagram because of copyright issues. Any recommendations on how to get around that or to take advantage of the virality advantage of music without the copyright issues? Yeah, you, well, you don't want to get around it. Let me just say that um, because the last thing you want to do is run afoul of um, of Instagram. And there were um, in the beginning when reels were just coming out and, and getting more popular, people were um, producing or creating TikToks and then where you're allowed to use whatever music you want and then posting them as reels. And that that does get you around the issue. But I, would, I wouldn't recommend that as a business. I, I don't think you want to do that. But there's plenty of music that you can use, even trending um, trending tracks that um, that are not copyrighted and it's not um, you know you don't have the um, you know vast number of options that you do with a personal account but there's still plenty of tracks that you can use that are trending um, and even ones um, with a trending song that have been repurposed as original um, as an original track that with just like a couple of changes that you can use, so. Mm -hmm. And you Great. just always oh. want to check, um, the audio will tell you how many times it's been used. So that's what we mean by trending. It's an actual number that you can see next to the audio that will give you a sense of, okay, 300,000 people have used this track. And as Hope said, there are a lot of unlicensed music that fall into that camp. And I think an important thing to consider with music and just with following <laughs> generally is that although businesses seek to create longer lead times around like the work process of creating social media, and that's a great goal to have kind of generally, it is true that to get the sort of virality going that TikTok mm -hmm. and now Instagram demand, you do have to be responsive in the moment, right? So it's like, yep. even if you've created a slideshow a month in advance, when you're posting, if as it was by Harry Styles or running right. up the hill by Kate Bush is trending, yeah. like you wanna use, maybe yeah. re-edit your slideshow a little bit to suit the thing that's trending. And I feel that's like- That's such a great point, Michael. Great point, Michael. That's such a great point, yes. And um, as, as I was mentioning before, Millie, who's on our team, who um, you know is our director of video, is always looking to that, like she'll, she'll cut, um, she'll cut a reel or she'll, she'll create a reel and then sort of at the last minute drop in the track to see, to see what's trending. Um, so that's a really, really good point. And Cindy also asks, can you boost reels or do you need to? Um, yes, you can boost reels. This is a new feature as of, I think, two weeks ago where you can boost them directly on the app. So you would go to the reels and then there's like three buttons that show you insights and editing options. And one of the new options now is boosting. I absolutely recommend applying a small 
piece of paid media to a reel that is already doing well. So you want to select a reel that already feels like it has some virality to it and test it with a boost. Um, I'm sure a lot of you have boosted your in-feed posts and have seen, you know, a larger acquisition of followers or engagements. Now that we know that Reels is such a priority, boosting that Reels will probably, you know, triple those effects. So yes, you can boost a Reel and I would absolutely recommend it. That, that really leads us into Stephanie Stein's question. She writes, I have heard that Reels, the real statistics before, but it hasn't been her experience for a static post, maybe 1% of my followers see my posts. For yep. reels, it's maybe 8% when I look at the insights. Is it about consistency, she asks, or frequency of stories and reels? Does that impact things? She's saying that she, you know, she finds that such a tiny portion of her followers see her posts in any format that it makes it hard to put forth the effort. And I'll just connect that. Sophia asks what role do Instagram stories play moving forward? Um, and I think that, you know, they're both kind of asking, is there some relationship here between the, the stories and the reels? Is there some way to kind of like gain an advantage over? So, stories has also declined as well as the in-feed content. Um, not as many people are, are seeing stories and Instagram is purposely doing that. Um, we have experimented with sharing real con reels content to stories, but we haven't seen a great increase in numbers for me to think that that is something that you should do. What you can do, however, is if you have a reels that is a video, you can maybe, and this again requires a little bit of work, you can maybe cut it so that it's 15 seconds, 30 seconds, maybe a little bit shorter. So it fits within a story dynamic. And then you have another asset that you can use on Instagram. Um, I just want to get back to the comment about the 1% versus the 8% yeah. in, uh, impressions. Now 1% is terrible, but 8% is a lot better. Um, I think that it really comes down to, you know, obviously the consistency is not probably there yet. I don't know if this person is posting to reels consistently and using the trending music, um, but we have noticed that once you make the shift of posting more reels versus in-feed content, that number starts to go up. Um, so it's almost like you, again, and I started this, I said this in my earlier statement, you get, you're getting penalized now for posting your in-feed posts and it's so hard. And I really feel the pain of so many people, but when you post that in-feed post and it gets shown to like five people, the algorithm says, we're not going to show this feed to anyone. Yeah. So it's better if you can, again, sort of balance your time and efforts to support the reels content so that you can see those increases in performance. And one of the tips that we discussed in our pre-chat was the feature that Instagram has unrolled that allows you to convert highlights, right? Or saved stories into yep. reels. Yes. I My only reel, I have to admit, is a story that I converted using the, uh, the magic that Instagram provided. And yeah. for an account of my size, which is microscopic, it did, it did well. And yeah. it's not like, 
the most exciting thing in the universe to me or the best creative expression, but it is a way to kind of begin, I think. Yeah, that's another, that's another good point. And we didn't talk about that, but it is just another tool um, to make it a lot easier for you to create reels. And just going back to that question of, you know, sort of input and effort versus, you know, reward. Um, you know, we haven't said to any of our clients yet, don't post it all in feed. Like, you know, certainly we're not, we're not there yet. Um, you know, and, and a lot of our clients, um, they're big, they're, you know, medium to, to large size luxury home design and decor brands. So they have teams, so they don't have to make that, that kind of choice, but, if you're, you know, a designer with one or two people on a staff and you and you are making that choice, ultimately, if you're posting in feed, call it twice a week, um, and then you're posting one reel a week, that probably is actually about the same amount of time you were spending anyway um, when you had to think about posting in feed seven days a week or even five days a week. So, so I think that's, you know, that's really looking at the balance. And also your reels gets posted to your, your in-feed. Well, that's true too. Yeah. Your in-feed. Uh, feed. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So it gets seen there as well. So it, I think sometimes people feel like um, it's going to look like you're doing less work on your in-feed, but if you just cross-pollinate that reels to your in-feed, it still shows up. So you're still seeing content continuing to populate on your profile, which is great. So this is a, a final question from Christina Smiros that, that kind of ties in neatly with what you've just been addressing, which is, do you think about visually curating a reel in the same way that you think about visually curating an in-feed post or a story? This kind of goes to that question of like, if you're using static imagery within the reel, is there a different kind of logic that applies now that we're in a video environment? Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, no, I, for, no, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think it's so different. Um, I think that you're, you're always trying to tell a story, you know, you're always like general, well, not always generally picking a theme and then trying to tell the story through that theme. So, so I don't think it's so different. Um, the, the only difference maybe is that, um, you're thinking, well, a, a couple of things, um, one is you're just thinking about the flow. Um, and a lot of times you probably want a few more images to make the story, uh, to make the reel feel very, you know, sort of lively and dynamic and robust. You might need a few more images than you would with a story. So that's, that's one difference. And, um, and, and in the sense that it's similar, um, you always want the photos. If you're using still images or you're using video, you always want the size to be optimized. So um, ideally, you're not using images that are, you know, horizontal, like sort of a, a landscape spec where, you know, it just it's just going to look weird. Um, so um, 
so I would say, you know, but in terms of like how you're thinking about it, I, I think it's, I think it sort of the same kind of storytelling um, mm-hmm. that you do, that you do in stories currently. Brilliant. Well, this has been such a fruitful session. I think that we have many, many takeaways that can either be used by our viewers, our members, or by their staffs. And like I said, we'll be circulating the materials that have been shown today, as well as contact information for everyone who's presented. And we'll also be developing a mini white paper for everyone to circulate um, to their friends through, throughout their businesses in whatever way will help you to be most effective in tackling these social media challenges. So thank, thank you so much for having us. My yes. Great. This is my favorite topic, by the way, to everyone else. <laughs> I love it. And, and <laughs> just one, just one quick wrap up, because I know that hearing about, um, hearing about all of this sounds very overwhelming and you know when we first meet with clients like you know before they've even hired us and we go through this whole litany of things and they kind of walk away like hitting their heads like we have so much to do I don't want people to walk away from this feeling overwhelmed right um, you know we, we just hit you with a lot of platforms a lot of ideas um, but don't don't think that you have to go out and tackle all of this or that your business, you know, is going to fall apart if you're not on it with every single one of these things. Pick, you've just heard about a lot of different platforms and ideas and things you can do. Pick one mm-hmm. and just start there yeah. um, and, and then go from there. But don't, I, I don't want people to walk away from this feeling like this is just all so much that they can't do any of it. Yes. And my, my last takeaway is don't forget to look at your insights, let your insights guide you. Um, because a lot of times people will start things and they'll, they won't test, you know, maybe this reel didn't do so well because it was, you know, I didn't get the, the template just right. So test, look at your insights, look at the performance because, Hope and I work together as a team where we look at the insights and we look at the content to make sure we're having the best possible outcome. And I would just say, um, for those who are feeling overwhelmed or like they're being led into an experience that they don't want to have, one, your tips on delegating, I think were really helpful. Like if someone is helping you with this, just tell them instead of doing so many feed posts, focus some of that time on figuring out reels, right? And secondly, I was just chatting with one of our members about creating a personal account for yourself where you can go to the Temple of Beauty, chat with your friends about inspiration, use it as a personal mood board and not worry about all of this stuff separate from your business account. If that's, you know, if you find it personally just so sad to have to worry about (laughs) stuff, you can still have what you had before. But in a context that's not going to be about engagement, but maybe just about, you know, your personal scrapbook or a place to chat with your friends. And I thought that was a good approach for kind of like mentally separating some of the business imperatives we've discussed from our emotional connection to Instagram as a place of inspiration. That's great advice. Excellent. Well, thank you again, everyone. And we'll be in contact soon with more. In the meantime, have a wonderful day and a wonderful weekend ahead. Thanks again. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.